Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Faithfully Fit podcast. Um, coming to you from my kitchen table, um, uh, but kind of a, a special one tonight, an interesting one tonight. Um, something that actually is kind of near and dear to my heart. Going to talk a little bit about coaching tonight, especially when it comes to coaching uh, kiddos. So I, I know that a lot of people in the fitness world, especially those that listen to this, may um, when we think about coaches, we kind of think maybe our CrossFit coaches. But I, I want you to, not that that's not incredibly applicable here, However, I want you to kind of think about an opportunity that you have that is, is as much a mentorship as it is a coaching opportunity. Um, talking about adults coaching kids, uh, coaching, and doesn't even necessarily have to be kiddo kiddos, but I mean, um, you know, younger people. You know, so my background is that uh, I come from a baseball background. Played football in high school, but man, I, I was a baseball player my whole life growing up. Um, I played baseball in high school, played baseball in college, left college, um, and got straight into college coaching, uh, went and, and volunteered for a year, then was hired on full time. Um, so, so deal is I spent basically 10 years of my life as a college baseball coach, ton of fun, absolutely loved it and absolutely grew up in it. Um, learned a little bit about myself, learned a little bit about how I want to relate to people, about how I want to interact with people, both as um, peers, as, as other coaches, um, as, as other adults, but also relate to younger people, relate to people that I coach, people that I'm in authority over. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from with this. See, because in Faithfully Fit, I still do some baseball lessons. Now, granted, um, most of it comes um, from people that, that I've done for a while. I mean, let's face it, the first place that you go when you're looking for baseball lessons is not usually um, the church, <laughs> but uh, I still do with some of those kids, and, and it, that's the way that I actually fund most of the Faithfully Fit stuff. Um, if you know what I've been doing lately, you, know, you see the t-shirts. Here's the deal. The t-shirts are, you know, I'm not charging a, a crazy amount for them because they're largely just a conversation start. I, I just want to get the mustache out there and who knows what that's going to start. I want people to have a nice shirt. I like shirts. Love t-shirts. So it's kind of nice to have that. Now, if one day I sell enough to where they make a profit and I can start moving that towards the Faithfully Fit stuff, great. But right now what I do is I do some baseball lessons because one, yes, that is the way that I fund this, but it's also... Part of my ministry and faithfully fit. It's a way that I can continue to minister, uh, to, to minister to and to mentor young men and and now a a young um, a young lady that is learning to play softball. Um, when I do lessons and 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 largely at the end of my coaching career, especially, uh, it's very much of a um, it's very much of a teaching relationship that I'm trying to to help these people, these young people, learn about themselves as athletes. Um, learn about themselves as people. Like it goes way more than just baseball. Now, here's the thing. That all sounds really new agey. <laughs> There's so much baseball that goes on. It largely is just about conversation. You know me. I, I mean, let's face it. You're sitting here listening to a podcast of me just talking into a microphone. So you know that I like to talk. I like to have conversation. Um, I, I can tell you, I would much rather this be a two-way microphone so that way I can do this and then have all of you talk back to me and we can just create one giant conversation. Uh, but hopefully this conversation leads to other conversations with you and your family or your friends or, or whoever it is. And so, but, but coming at it from, from this perspective, I take, I take the coaching relationship incredibly seriously, incredibly seriously. 
And because you, you do, you hold a lot of influence over the people that it is that you are teaching. One, you can, you know, if you do it too quickly and too harshly, you can really um, ruin your relationship with them. Uh, but also, you can ruin a lot of other things. So here's, here's the scenario. Took my son to Little League Baseball games tonight. My son uh, is not in the, the, the age group that we went to watch, but one of the young men that I coach actually was playing. And so, so we went to go watch. I took my son with me because I wanted to give him the opportunity to watch some baseball. The dang COVID stuff and canceling all of baseball. Me and my son, one of the things that we really do is we bond over watching baseball. We'll sit and, and watch, um, watch college baseball on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. That's, that's something that we do, uh, but we haven't had that. So difficult, but so be it. So I, I take Garrick. He, he has not played a ton of baseball to this point. He's only played one season. He's got kind of a weird birthday, so I thought he would be in his second season of coach pitch, but he's actually in his first season of kid pitch, which is, if you know anything about baseball, the difference between coach pitch and kid pitch is immensely different because there is the element of fear now. So I'm trying to teach him, and, and, and the game is moving very fast because in the league that he plays in, I don't love it, but... They go from coach pitch, which is closed bases, so no leadoffs, no stealing, all that stuff. They go straight in, not just to kid pitch, but to kid pitch open base. I, I, I got to admit, I don't think I understand the philosophy behind that. But then again, I haven't done a lot of looking at, 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 at why they did it and all that stuff. So I'm not going to sit here and criticize people when I have not had conversations to figure out why. But... They're open base. So not only do you have kids throwing at you, but man, you've got kids leading off. You've got kids stealing. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. So it's moving very fast for some of these kids that are kind of new to it, my son being one of them. So I took him to the baseball field tonight so we can watch some baseball and we can maybe talk about what's going on. Um, one of the biggest humorous things is that in between innings, he has no idea what to do. Like he, I've had to explain to him that you're supposed to take ground balls and throw it to the first baseman in between innings. Um, that when a throw goes to second base, if you're the second baseman, you go on back up shortstop. Uh, it's just kind of funny. So anyway, we go and, and we're there and we're watching in the first inning, the, the kid that I'm watching is on the team that eventually wins. They win handily. The kid played great, actually bragging on him. I'm probably going to put something on social media about him in a little bit. Cause I'm very proud of him. Um, but very first inning is not going well for the opposing team. Uh, kid on the mound has a strong arm, has a decent look in motion, but just struggling to throw strikes. He's uh, here's the pitching coach nerd in me. I was a former pitching coach, and so he, he just he wasn't getting out over his front foot. So he's putting his foot down, standing real tall, almost jerking up against his front knee, and and so great arm, but not really sure where he's going to throw the ball. So walks a bunch, couple of hits, couple of errors. Everybody's frustrated. Well. So what starts to happen in this game is the opposing coach, I say opposing like because the kid that I'm watching is on my team, quote unquote, but um, the opposing coach really starts to get aggravated and, and really starts to make a show of the fact that he uh, is very unhappy with them for not doing things that he has clearly taught them. Um, this is not me making inferences. This is me going directly from what he's saying doing it very loud, um, eventually becomes sarcastic, um, becomes very demeaning towards the players. It, it just is really unfortunate. See, one of the things that I look at when we start talking about failures, I don't even want to call them failures, just call them mistakes. We can call them errors mistakes. We can call base running mistakes uh, mistakes. I guess that's inherent in the name. But, um, but I look at those as teaching moments. Like literally for kiddos, they're teaching moments. Um, and so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but 
So as the game goes on, what I start to realize is it's not just those guys that are being condescending and that are being sarcastic. It's actually the team that I'm, I'm there watching this young man. That he, that, that he has a coach that is very vocal and very condescending. And, and I think that this is a usual thing because actually, so as he starts to, to be like this, um, uh, when he does it and he is in the wrong, which happens several times, the parents really start getting back at him and defending the kids from the stands, which is never a good scenario in the first place. Um, but it, it, all of this is drawn from the fact that you have these coaches that are being very condescending and very sarcastic and just rude to these kiddos in ways that I, I question, like, would you talk to your son like that off of the baseball field? And if you do, there's an issue. But if you don't, why does the baseball field all of a sudden make that acceptable? Now, here's the deal. Full disclosure, um, I eventually learned that I'm not a loud baseball coach. Like, I'm not someone who, who wanted to stand there and just yell and scream and berate. Um, I think that there is a way that you can be a loud coach. Loud does not equal wrong, and loud does not necessarily equal overly negative. Loud just equals loud. They're just people that are loud in this world. I'm not one of them. Um, I was a put my arm around you, um, talk to you, uh, pat you on the back, uh, use moments to teach you but not necessarily destroy you type of thing. And so, so granted, I have a different coaching philosophy than these guys do. I think I, you know, I don't know their, their backgrounds and their life philosophies. But then again, I'm also a minister. I'm a discipleship minister. Like part of what I do is just trying to help people and teach people and come alongside people. Come alongside is one of those church terms that uh, I think sometimes kind of gets lost. We, we as ministers will say come alongside. Um, but, but when we say come alongside, we just mean I want to do life with you. I want to, I want to partake in, in your struggles. I want to um, help you through your struggles. I want to help you learn. I want to help you grow. I want you to do the same thing for me. Um, me coming alongside you does not mean that, that um, I'm here to rescue you or to save you. Um, in, my, in my faith, in Christianity, I'm not the Savior. I'm not Christ. Um, I'm someone who needed as much help as you, who needs as much help as you, not past, present. So anyway, so now you kind of understand my philosophy. You kind of know where I'm coming from. And so I, I'm sitting here and I'm having this kind of philosophical debate in my head. And I'm, and I'm like, man, I need to put this on a, on a podcast. I, I don't know if this is going to land with anybody or not because obviously this is so important to my heart and so um, um, embedded within who I am. But So I, I guess my first question then is what is the purpose of Little League competition? Like, I think we have to answer that. What is the purpose of Little League competition? Is the purpose of Little League competition to win? Now, keep something in mind. I'm not a everybody-gets-a-trophy type of guy. Um, I'm not quite as hardcore as some people, though. I'm not, um, you know, if you finish second, you're a loser, and you'll never, ever finish first. <laughs> um, I think losing is part of sports. It's it's part of it. Um, and, and that means that you're going to win sometimes, and you're going to lose sometimes. Especially, you talk about baseball— Hey man, ball hits a hits a hole in a funny way. There's nothing that the shortstop can do about it. Sometimes you lose, um, and, and so so. But looking at this, we say, what is the purpose of Lily competition? Is it solely to win? I, I don't think so. I'm not even. I don't even think that the the number one goal of Little League competition is to win. I think the number one goal of Little League competition is to teach and to prepare. 
Now, that doesn't mean there's not an aspect of winning. There's still a scoreboard. I'm not a big fan of leagues that don't keep score, to be honest with you. Now, keeping in mind, I'm, I'm talking primarily about, you know, uh, a church, uh, I guess a religious-based organization um, uh, in, in Upward. They don't keep score. Of course, you know, all the parents in the stands are keeping score. You know, all the dads have a count on their phone or something. But regardless, um, I think score is part of it. I think dealing with loss and dealing with difficulty, dealing with um, pain and heartache is part of it, um, as much as learning to deal with success. And, and so part of, I, I think a big part of Little League competition, and, and so now please, keep on, I'm gonna, I, I will probably talk about it like Little League, but, but keep on, I mean, we can talk about, we can call it peewee, we can call it youth, whatever it looks like. You want to call it, you want to go into the fitness realm and, and you want to start talking about um, teenagers and, and below. I mean, hey, there's a there's a person of the Faithfully Fit family, Nick Aranda, down in, in Houston right now that um, it, he was one of my very first interviews. He's a very, I mean, I mean, he's a good friend of mine. He's got kiddos that compete in, in CrossFit. His, his kiddos are some of the first generation of kiddos that are CrossFit competitors that are looking and they say, you know what? I don't want to be a volleyball player. I don't want to be, be a baseball player. I want to be a CrossFitter. And so, so here's the deal. You can take it from the, 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 the 15, 16, and down in CrossFit. You can take it in football and basketball, whatever you want to call it. We have to, we have to teach. Like, like This is where you learn the skills and the fundamentals. And if we're not primarily teaching skills and fundamentals, one, we're never giving people or kids an opportunity to improve. Like We have to understand that, that skills and fundamentals are what help us improve. You can't put a kid out there and when he strikes out, you berate him all the way back to the dugout and yet n never give him the opportunity, never give him the chance to learn what it was that he did wrong. Um, and we can do this with, with anything, um, that if we just continue to beat young people down without using teachable moments, without giving them skills and without giving them the, the, the techniques and the tools that they need, are we really doing anything? I mean, are we doing anything at all other than... I mean, I, I, I guess I'm trying to be kind. I try to be as gracious as possible in, in these moments because I understand I have failures. Like if I were to sit here as the judge with a gavel and just completely destroy people, um, there are good people out there that make mistakes. And I think that's the thing to, to keep in mind, and we're going to hit on it in a little bit, is that there are good people that, I, and I've been there, I've, I will be the first person to tell you, I've made some real coaching mistakes in my life. I'm going to give you an example of a guy who's in, who I believe is an upstanding Christian. I don't know him personally, but but he's very vocal about his faith, and I think there's been some mistakes that he's made, and um, I'm not going to call him out or nothing. Like, that's not what this podcast is about, but we're going we're gonna to talk about it. But but I, I think it's important that 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 we keep the first thing first. And the first thing is to teach these kids what are the rules of the game? What are the techniques? What are, what are the skills that they need to improve and to succeed? Because if we aren't actually giving them the techniques and the skills, they're never going to improve. Um, it's, let, let's, let's do this. It's the thing that keeps us coming back to, um, to functional fitness, to CrossFit. <laughs> However, we're going to call that. For those of you that are a part of the, the, the CrossFit slash functional fitness world right now, you know that that's all up in the air. But but we look at this and, and it, as, as adults even. So we go to CrossFit and we go and we get started. And maybe there's some things that we do well because we have a background in. But maybe there's some things that we don't. Ring muscle-ups and bar muscle-ups. I guess muscle-ups in general were one of those things for me for a long time. I, I had a background in weightlifting. I had a background in running. So I was strong and I could run and I had an engine. But man, when it came to high-level skills, when it came to handstand push-ups and handstand walking and snatching and, and muscle-ups and... 
I, I was terrible. But it, but here's the deal is I had people that, that tried to teach me. I had people that tried to help me. And I had a drive because I would learn a little bit at a time. I would learn a skill, learn a skill, learn a skill. And I improved. I see it a lot with, with adult CrossFitters is they get frustrated because they aren't learning new skills and, and largely because adults at times tend to get very frustrated because they, 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 they think that I've learned it today, I should know it and be able to do it tomorrow. And, and so we have that. But, but, if, but if we don't give kids the skills, if we just expect them to go up there and do it, um, and then we do it with a whole bunch of pressure on top of them, we're never going to help them to improve. And so, you know, in, in a Facebook post that I made earlier today from my personal account, I wouldn't do this from the Faithfully Fit account, but, but from my personal account, you know, I'm talking about, I said, condescending and sarcastic coaching leads young players to hate the games that they're learning. It, it does. I mean, can you imagine being a, a, an 11-year-old and having a coach that just does nothing but berate you every time you make a I wouldn't want to go back to that sport. We wouldn't want to, I mean, I mean, we, we talk about that with jobs. I mean, it's, it, all the studies now start talking about the fact that, that people are looking for jobs, not so much because of financial issues, not that that's not a factor, but they're looking for jobs that they can be satisfied in, that they can be happy in, that they have support from. Not that every time they do something wrong, somebody walks in their office, kicks the door down and just lets them have it. And, and so that's the thing is skills lead to improvement. We have to teach those skills. But we have to be cognizant of the way in which our words, the way in which our tones are, are affecting that. Now, here's the deal. Like I said, volume does not equal right or wrong. But if I am, if, if I am doing my best to make sure everyone in the stands knows that you messed up and that I don't want you to do it that way, all of a sudden my ego is the thing that's getting in my, in my way now. So here's one of the, here's one of the, big, the big concepts that I, I hope that you will take from this discussion is that in my mind, discipleship equals coaching and vice versa. Um, because discipleship is about teaching and about raising up and about preparing. It's the same thing that coaching does. Now, here's the deal is I take that a step further with Faithfully Fit. And, and so I obviously meld those two. I know that there's a lot of people, like I said, the two coaches I watched tonight, I have no idea what their faith background is. So I'm not going to sit here and make an assumption. I don't know what, I don't know much about anything of them. And so I, I'm not going to make any large statements there, but, but here's the deal. Coaching is discipleship, even if it's not discipleship within a faith-based system. I'm teaching you not just how to be a young baseball player. I'm also teaching you how to be a young man um, or, or young lady. I mean, I, I, last year when I coached, I coached a young lady. Um, but I'm teaching you how to deal with failure. I'm teaching you how to deal with success. I'm teaching you how to deal with the fact that it's you versus that guy on the mound or you versus that guy in the batter's box. And sometimes they're just better than you. How do you, how do you approach that? There's so much to this. There's so much to this, this, this concept of sport and this concept of training young people that I think that we miss because Let's face it, competition makes us stupid. It does. I, I'm sorry. Now, now, once again, I told you my background. I have the benefit of, of I say benefit, but I, I have the benefit of perspective. Let's say that. I have the benefit of perspective because there were, we, there were years where the season would end and I would have a, an evaluation three days after the season and the season went so poorly that I'll tell you the truth, I didn't know if I was going to have a job. And the thing is, is, is it's not like the season ends and then all of a sudden you're like, oh boy, I'm not sure how this is going to go. 
But, um, you know, like, or that's not how that functions. Like, you know this as it's stacking up. You go, man, boy, we're not playing well. Man, we aren't winning a lot of games. Man, my group is not doing it. And, and so you have this. And, and, and so you, you have – so there's this constant pressure in the college system and, and at some high schools. I, I don't think it's all of them, but at some high schools that you need to win. And, and so when I look at this and I go and I look at a Little League system and, and I see that, and I'm like, you don't have to win. Your primary job is to teach. It is not to win. Winning is nice. Winning will happen from time to time. But, but if you aren't raising up young men and women, you're missing a big part of what it is that you're supposed to be doing. So that's where my, my concept of discipleship is coaching and coaching is discipleship um even if it's not in a religious setting like i said i really take that further but but i think we have all done this before look i've had i've had a deal at a church camp one time um i was a i was a high school baseball player at a church camp and there was one of the counselors we're playing a softball game um i would later play on a church league softball with this gentleman and I, I kind of understood where it came from then but I was a high school baseball player we're at church camp we're playing softball most of the kids out there are not athletic um, and and he was really getting into it and really getting competitive and really getting frustrated with people making I guess what you would call simple mistakes but the deal is is, is these simple mistakes were things that you wouldn't know if you didn't take the game very seriously um, and, and and I looked at him and, and I said, sir, I know his name, but I, I'm not trying to, like I said, I'm not trying to bash anybody here, but I said, sir, I was like, it's a, it's summer camp. Like, let's just have fun. And, and the interesting thing now to his credit, man, he came to me later. He goes, Kyle, he goes, you're, you're, you're really right. Thank you. Thank you for snapping me out of it. I, I'm sorry for taking it so seriously. Thank you for saying something to me. Um, and looking back, that's actually one of my prouder moments because I was an adult. Like I'm not someone who bucks the uh, um, uh, bucks the system often. Now I I tend to do it a little bit more in ministry just because of of uh, how I feel about ministry and how I feel about the calling on my life. But but to this point in my life, I'm a rule follower, man. <laughs> I'm, and so for me to step out and say something like that was a big deal. Um, I would go on. Here's the deal: is I would go on to play church league softball with this guy and other people, and I would find something similar that that in a church league softball game, these guys, the, the, the competition really drove them to, to what I would consider beyond what they should have been doing. Like I, they weren't cheating or anything, but the, the the seriousness of which they took it was, in my mind, like it was almost absurd. But yet people do that all the time. Once again, like like competition drives us. Competition almost calls to our ego a lot of times. And so when we speak about men specifically, but I'm I'm not even I'm not trying to eliminate women from this. I mean, I, I there are a lot of really competitive women, and we kind of joke in my family that my wife is the competitive one, and I'm the um, I, I, I'm not, uh, even though I was the college athlete and the college coach. And so I bring up the church league softball not to bash on church league softball, but actually as a segue into a point that. Here's the deal is that we all make mistakes. I, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier that, I mean, I some of the biggest mistakes that I have made have actually been in interaction that I have had as a coach. Emotions get in the way. Um, it's part of being human. I mean, we have we have faults. We have failures. Uh, we take it to a biblical perspective, and we go, we all have sin. Like, <laughs> these things are going to creep in. Uh, and I think that it is through experience that we eventually learn to quell those. It's through experience that the heat of competition, I don't really want to say heat of battle, but the heat of competition 
um, does not affect us as much. Um, I remember some of the, the, I have some most embarrassing things that I have done and said, whereas a young coach, when I didn't quite understand that, when I thought that you had to be just all fire and, and just make people afraid of you and afraid to mess up because that was the only way that they were going to perform. And the interesting thing was, was that was not the way that I was wired. Um, I actually worked better in a system of respect that I, I, in in a coaching system, I, I, sometimes I had it and sometimes I didn't, but, um, and it was when I learned that and I learned that, that people function well in that system that I became the coach that I was and, and the coach that I am, I'm, I'm in lessons. I mean, like I said, you can't develop a mentorship and a discipleship if, if there's not some level of respect, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And so I come to, you know, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier that um, a person that I, I believe is a, a, a strong and practicing Christian, um, but yet who has made a mistake. And, and like I said, I'm not going to tag him in this or anything because it's not, one, as much as I appreciate all of you people listening, my tens of listeners probably don't make much of a dent in, in anything that he would think. Um, Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney, the coach, the, the head football coach for Clemson. Very outspoken Christian, and man, do I appreciate that. You guys know me. Anyone who is very outspoken about their faith, I love. And and I love because he really, if you listen to Clemson football players, he takes the family feel to his team, and he roots so much of that in his faith. And they really respond to it. Obviously, they respond to it and you know, with, with the, the way that they win, but also the way that they interact. However, several years ago, I was watching the Clemson game. Um, you know, this was back when they were... They're, they're, they're still incredible, but back when they were incredible um, for the first couple of years and, and, and a little bit of a surprise, I guess you could say, um, but they had a punter. So here's what I know about football um, is that a lot of times now, especially on punt teams, uh, there are certain looks that you prepare for, that if you are on the punt team and the, the, the punt return team gives you a certain look, you actually have a play, a fake to run to take advantage of the look. A lot of uh, football teams have gone to this. I don't know if they've gone to this. I don't know if this is something that's been around for 40 years, but I do know that this has been something that's been kind of popular in the last five, six, seven, eight years. Well, so I don't know what happened, but for one reason or another, this punter for Clemson runs a fake in a really bad situation and doesn't, um, he doesn't get it. Well, they kept showing the sidelines. Now, here's the deal. Football coaches, as much as anyone, are known for just laying into people. Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not about to move into the philosophy of that and why I think football lends itself to that. We can have that discussion another time. But um, he's doing. He's laying into. Now, here's the deal: the fact that he's laying into somebody does not make him any less of a Christian. Um, the the fact that he's going to make a mistake that I'm going to explain does also does not make him less of a Christian. But it it affected me. And so they show it, and he goes, he, he's letting this kid have it. Kid made a mistake. All right, he goes away. Well, they keep showing him because what happens is he walks away, and then he comes back, and he lays into the kid some more. Walks away. He's gone for a little bit. Comes back and lays into the kid some more. And here's the deal. is This is the thing that I eventually got to, to, to realizing is chasing kids down, and I saw it tonight. This is a big reason why I, I, I say this. Chasing kids down I believe is a sign often of immaturity. It's 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 an inability to handle your own emotions. Um, yes, you are upset and you are frustrated, but the deal is 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 that going and yelling at that kid 
if you're not going to turn it into a teaching moment, and I'm sure, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know Dabo Sweeney. I would assume that because of the way his teams play, that he would eventually turn it into a teaching moment. But, um, uh, but he just continued to return and continued to return, and it, it was almost like he got more mad every single time. Now. I don't know the circumstances. Who knows? Maybe the kid was saying some stuff. I don't know. So I don't want to judge the guy. Um, But I I know what I saw tonight. I saw a coach chase a kid down and just continue to let him have it on a level that I'm like, man, this kid is at oldest 12 years old, and this coach is chasing him down the sideline and then just letting him have it. The kid's going out onto the field, and he's still letting him have it. And and I could hear everything that the kid was saying back to the coach as well. Now, he was actually talking back to the coach a little bit, but not to a level that, you know— Anyway, the coach was the coach was no longer trying to um, he was not trying to teach him and correct his attitude. Um, he was just trying to lay into the kid and let the kid know who was boss. And, and and that's hard for me. That's that's difficult because you're not you're you are you are no longer in that moment trying to teach a skill. So we go back to what is the purpose of youth athletics, of youth sports, of youth anything. You're no longer trying to teach in that moment. Now you're just trying to establish dominance. Maybe you're trying to let everyone in the stands know that, you know, um, that's not how you teach. It just, we run into this. And, and, and so you obviously hear my passion in, in this discussion and my passion in, in, in what we're talking about. And not so much because I feel so strongly about the negative side of things, but because I've seen the way in which mentors and coaches can impact the lives of young people and the the paths and the roads they can set them on. I've seen it from a positive aspect. I've seen kids that I have been involved in or that I have I have had other coaches involved in their lives and watch the growth that happens. I've seen it negatively where where um, where coaches have have not impacted kids in ways and it has led kids in certain directions. I've I've been a, a, a part of a few, unfortunately, that it started off where where my my impact and discipleship and mentorship started in a direction, and then I made some mistakes and 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 moved away, and and I kind of saw what happened after that. And, and so you get this opportunity to really have this this three sixty view of the issue. And, and so we we just come back to this is, is that as we talk about coaching, and and like I said, insert what you want here: coaching, discipleship, mentorship. Um, coaching athletics, coaching gymnastics, coaching CrossFit, teaching dance. I'll, I'll go to dance because it's, you know, my daughter dances. Teaching dance. I mean, when they are young, we're trying to give them tools because giving them tools does not just mean that they have a chance in the future to be successful um, at, at that endeavor, whatever that may be, but also to to deal with other issues that come up in life that maybe don't have anything to do with it. I mean, we talk all the time about how sports prepares you for life, but what does that actually mean? Like, if, if how can sports prepare you for life if if you are going to hate sports so much that you never want to play them again? Well, now sports never has an opportunity to impact you. It has no chance to teach you teamwork. If 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 sports continues to isolate you because your coach wants to yell and scream at you and embarrass you, and so you go to the dugout and you're either going to sit there and not learn the lesson. And you're going to isolate yourself, or you're going to um, gather with your other teammates and and be a source of dissent within the dugout. Um, you just you run into a lot of these different things, and so it's important that we as adults who are teaching young people recognize the fact that we are teaching. Like that's I think that's the first and core thing is that we are teaching. And now here's the deal: is is this has not been super um, faith oriented. But the interesting part about it is that if you know me, you know where this is driven from. This is actually driven from a place of faith within my life. does not mean that you 
have to be a, a person of faith to be a good coach, to be a good mentor. I would, I would prefer for you. I'd love for you to because um, I, I've, I've laid out my thoughts on love before. I've laid out my thoughts on why we respect other people. And, and, and I, I know last time I told you that my next podcast would be on humility, but this is kind of a drop-in. But the next podcast, I'm assuming, unless something else gets under my skin, um, will be on humility. And, and once again is... It is a place of great humility that I can look at you as a young person and see your mistake and yet treat you with grace because I know that at some point in the past, someone has treated me with that type of grace. I can, I can take that and I can, I, can, I can weave that in into how I'm teaching you because if not, if I was never shown that grace, one, it's either a massive recognition, recognition that makes me walk away from the path of doing exactly what was done to me when I was a Little League baseball player and some, some dad who had a bad day at work just completely embarrassed me and laid into me for, for a mistake that quite frankly happens in baseball. Um, or... You've experienced it before. You've experienced grace. Now, here's the deal is, is that, in, like I said, in faith, we have that opportunity to experience that grace through Christ and, and, and through what's, what Scripture tells us Christ did. Now, we can take that and we can apply that and, and we, can, we can apply that to our coaching. We can apply that to dealing with parents. We can apply that to just dealing with people in general once, again, once we go outside of the, the coaching space. And, and, and so it gives us a real base. It, so you, you see this now. Uh, I, obviously, I need, to, I need to wrap this up because if not, I'm going to get up and start pacing back and forth and, and preaching because that's how I preach is I stand up and I walk back and forth and I talk really fast. And you're getting the talk really fast, but on a podcast, you don't get much of the uh, arms flailing and, and walking back and forth. So I appreciate you listening. Um, I hope this is an encouragement to, to you. As, as I look back, I, I, I hope that when, when, when you finish this podcast— it's not that you've just heard me ranting and raving for a long time, but you actually have, have, have come to an understanding of why it is that I coach the way that I coach, why it is that I continue to do baseball lessons and continue to do athletic training for young people, even though my job is, is ministry and, and not an athletic ministry. I mean, this is a, this is a side thing that I do. Um, and I hope that, that can impact you, even if you don't coach young people. Maybe you have, maybe you have young people in your life. Maybe you are. are um, I know there is a person who listens to this podcast who um, a large part of his position is is dealing with the development of young people. Um, and, and so, who knows, man? Hopefully, maybe I can have him on, and we can we can chat about this because what a, what a cool topic to talk about. But anyway, I'm gonna get out of here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, um, man. I have received so many messages lately about um, the way in which this podcast is impacting people's lives. Um, that's really cool. <laughs> that's I didn't I don't think I expected that. Um, and so, guys. Thank you so much again. I hope to hear from you guys. I hope that we can continue to interact. I hope that we can continue to draw the Faithfully Fit family closer together, but also spread that net even wider. So y'all have a great one. And until next time, stay faithfully fit.